good morning. Happy November. Yes, the end, the end is, so many of us are like, I just, bro, I'm just trying to make it to break. I'm just trying to make it uh, to break. Hey, if you were in, <laughs> if you were in Professor Gates' class this morning that happens right before chapel, I feel like I owe you a bit of a confession and apology. What you experienced this morning was grumpy Pastor Zach and grumpy Professor Gates having a conversation during your class on the stage. By the way, those of you that want a little context, here's what happened. I came in to get ready for chapel and there's like an entire class on the stage um, because they can't use the black box because for some reason we got rid of those curtains in there, whatever, besides the point. So they're on the stage. And that's fine. That's not a big deal. I was just really worried about some stuff getting unplugged before we came in for chapel. And so I quietly go to Chris and I'm like, hey, can you like help your class? Like just just tell him not to like touch the instruments and stuff. And he's like, right, got it. And then he turns around. Hey, Zach told doesn't want you guys to touch the. Thank you, Gates, for throwing me right under the bus at 830. That's like I didn't. Yeah. So that's what happened. So you have you have. Pastor Zach, who, is, who has small children, and yesterday was Halloween, which is like the worst day of the year because they just sugar up for like three hours, and then you tell them to go to bed, and that doesn't happen. And then you have Professor Gates, who has little kids, and they sugared up for a bunch of time. And which, so you, you, you got to watch two dads who are both grumpy, uh, trying not to take it out in front of you. So that, that's that. Uh, so if you were part of that this morning, please know that I love you, and I apologize. If you have a Bible, this is a good transition. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and we will get there uh, eventually. I want to give you an idea of what the rest of the semester looks like, where we're headed. Uh, this morning, this morning is my last time preaching on the not a fan theme this semester. Uh, next Monday, we'll take a break from our weekly small groups. This next Monday, we're going to take a break from small groups, and we're going to have a convocation time Right here in Greer at 10 o'clock, we have a Central Christian College alumnus, uh, Mayuku Shono and her husband Levi, um, are going to be here talking about their missionary work in Japan and in the UK. And I met with them yesterday, and it's going to, guys, it's going to be so cool. I'm really excited about that conversation. Again, that'll be here in Greer next Monday at 10 o'clock. Make sure you come just like chapel. Attendance will be taken the same way we do for chapel. And then next Wednesday, next Wednesday, I'm so stoked you get to hear from the Reverend Mercedes Ledesma from MacFree. And then the following week, you'll hear from our own student body chaplain, Amaya. Again, I'm so stoked for that. And then we'll take a much needed week off for Thanksgiving. And then when we come back, we'll hear from uh, Lizzie Johnson. It's going to be good. And then we'll have our traditional Christmas candlelight service, and that's it for the semester. Uh, and next semester, next semester, we're simply going to ask the question, uh, who cares? But today, today I want to look one more time at this understanding that there's a difference between a fan and a follower, and that, that this is where we began all the way back in August. In August, we began with this understanding that Jesus really isn't interested in fans. He's not interested in, in enthusiastic admirers. But instead, he, he wants, he demands followers. 
And so we began the school year asking the question of all of us, are you a fan or a follower? And then last month, last month I got to spend uh, some time looking at this idea that following Jesus means that there's a difference between knowing and caring. And that, that again brings us now to this morning where I want to let you know that Jesus, Jesus wants us to be followers wherever, whenever, and whatever. Jesus wants us to be followers wherever, whenever, and whatever. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57. It says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, him being Jesus, he said, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have whole holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, okay, some of you surely right now are thinking, like, dude, Pastor Zach, like, PZ, like, do you know who you're talking to right now? You do realize that there's a lot of people in this room who are not following Jesus, and when they hear passages like this one, it's, it's not too inspiring. Like, Zach, why don't you, like, stick to the God loves everyone stuff? You do that, like, every week. God loves you. Like, still true. That tends to be better received, Zach. Why would you do? Like, here, here's the thing. Yes, this is, this is a tough passage to read, and Jesus says some stuff here that, like, at first pass, it kind of makes Jesus look like a jerk. Like, you kind of want to be like, Jesus, calm down a bit. But, th like, think about our churches. These would be, like, think about going to church. This would be a terrible church growth strategy. Like, okay, here's how we're going to, like, grow our church. Tell people they say, can't say goodbye to their families, and if their loved ones are dead, they can't bury them. Like, that's, that's craziness. Today we're just excited if you, like, show up on Sunday morning. These people are like, no, 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 like, that they're, like, let the dead bury their own. Like, that's, that's crazy. But what if, what if there's actually more going on here? Again, Jesus calls us to follow him wherever, whenever, and whatever. Let's look at the wherever. This first man in this passage says, I will follow you, J Jesus, I will follow you wherever. And then Jesus points to a place that will threaten this man's comfort and security. Jesus essentially says, I'm homeless. Are you going to follow me in that? Jesus says, what about there? Are you going to follow me there? We're, we're left with the impression that maybe this dude, he's like quick to say, did I say wherever? That was like, I kind of like meant that as like a poetic expression. I didn't know that like, like literally 
wherever. Like figuratively speaking, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever. It's much easier to talk about following Jesus when you're making a general statement without any specific commitments. But the most obvious and basic definition of following is especially following Jesus. This will mean that you will make significant life changes. Following Jesus will mean that you will literally go where Jesus tells you to go. You will follow Jesus. I remember that when I first said yes to Jesus, when I really took that step from from fan to follower, and I was confronted with the reality that being a follower of Jesus meant that I had to follow him wherever, this had implications in my life. It had implications for friendships, for the relationships that were part of my life. And if I'm honest, it's how I ended up in Kansas. Like I'm, I'm from Illinois, and the number of people, I don't know if you've experienced this, there's this question when you tell them where you go to school or where you're at. The question goes like this. Why Kansas? How many of you know exactly what I'm talking like, about? Yes, every single flipping one of you, unless you were born here. Yeah, why Kansas? Like, I'm from Illinois. But when I got serious about Jesus, there were relationships, there were friendships, and they were toxic, and they were destructive, and they would, like, pull me backwards and I, I didn't like who I was around them and I, and I knew that if I stayed there that I wasn't going to be able to follow Jesus well and so I left and I, and I know that that like seems extreme to some of you but for me at that point in my life it's what I needed the truth is is that when you say yes to something you're also saying no to other things. When you say yes to something, you're also saying no to other things. When you say yes to competing in most types of athletics, you're probably saying no to not working out and eating whatever you want. When you say yes to wanting to make the dean's list, you're probably saying no to staying up late watching Netflix and sleeping through class. When you say yes to something, you're also saying no to other things. When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying no to other stuff. When you say yes to Jesus, it means that you're saying no to things that are sinful and destructive. When you say yes to Jesus, it means you're saying no to friendships and relationships that are not the best for you. When you say yes to Jesus, sometimes it means you're saying no to particular activities on the weekends. When you say yes to Jesus, it means saying no and getting involved in the divisiveness of our world. When you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, it means that you are covered in his dust. You see, when Jesus calls this man to follow him wherever, he's inviting this guy to be a disciple. Jesus was a Jewish teacher, a Jewish rabbi. 
and in the first century, Jewish tradition was that when you became a rabbi's disciple, it meant that you left everything, you left your family, your community, that you would give your life in following this rabbi, that you believed you could be like this rabbi, and the rabbi believed that you could be like them. And so if a rabbi took you on, if you became a disciple of that rabbi, it's because you believed you could do what the rabbi did. And so you would travel from village to village following closely behind your rabbi, trying to live like life, like your rabbi lived life, trying to do what your rabbi did. And so these students would do this. And you would see a rabbi traveling with a whole herd of disciples behind them, right on the heels of the rabbi, almost stepping on them. And so there is this saying that was developed from a Midrash sage. He says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because again, as the rabbi travels and walks, if you're right behind him, by the end of the day, you'd be covered in whatever the rabbi had be walking in. So the wise men would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. To say yes to Jesus is to say yes to following wherever. To say yes to Jesus is to be covered in his dust. Are you with me? Are we tracking? Now, we're not only called to be followers wherever, but also whenever. And there's three guys in this passage. This, the next guy, the next guy that wants to follow Jesus, this is when we get a little glimpse of what we, like Jesus seems to be a little unreasonable here. This guy says, yes, I'll follow you, but first let me go bury my dad. Now, this seems like a super normal request, right? But here's the thing. This is a situation when translating the New Testament from its original Greek language to English, it kind of does us dirty. It kind of like it, it misleads us a bit. In the original language, what this man is actually saying is, Jesus, I'll follow you, but not now. I need to wait for my father to pass away, and then I'll follow you. The father isn't actually dead yet. And we're given no indication in the text as to how close he is. He could be a young dude still. All this guy says is, Jesus, I'll follow you after my dad dies. Jesus, I'll follow you, but not right now. I'll be a follower, not a fan, but not right now. And I, and I have to wonder, for how many of us in this room right now, how many of us would fit into that category? The category of not right now. I'm happy to be a fan or even not even a fan like just like a distant acknowledger that like Jesus is like a thing for some people but I'm not I'm not really interested in following him maybe someday but not listen I'm young I'm in college I still got plenty of sinning I mean living to do like when I'm older then I'll like settle down I'll probably have a family and I probably should like take them to church because church is important and that's what you do as a family like Someday I'll get serious about Jesus, but not right now. Maybe 
later, there are so many of us who are in the middle of snooze button Jesus. Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. But here's the truth. Not a single one of us is guaranteed the next ten minutes, let alone the next ten years. And the truth is, this is more, this is research-driven, it's experience-driven, this is true. That the more you put him off, the more you say, not right now, Jesus, the less likely you're going to be to do it someday. Are you with me? Are we, are we tracking still? Our call is to follow Jesus wherever, whenever, and whatever. The last person that Jesus meets in this passage also gives a bit of an excuse. He says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but first let me, let me go say goodbye to some people. Now, I want you to, to sort of compare this with what we know of Jesus when he calls us for his disciples. Peter and James and John, they're fishing in a boat. All he says is, follow me. They drop their nets and they go immediately. So compare these two. This person says, oh, Jesus, I'll follow you, but not. Let me just go say goodbye to some people. Let me just settle some things. And what Jesus draws out here from this guy, he draws out where his focus is. And Jesus gives this illustration about plowing a field while trying to look behind you. And, and I don't know that we really get what he's saying because we live in 2023. And so when I think of plowing a field, I think of sitting in a tractor with a plow behind me. And I have no problem looking behind me because the tractor's still going forward, plowing the field. <coughs> but in the first century, when this is written, this next picture is something along the lines of how you would plow a field. Something like this. It is legitimately impossible to push the plow forward while looking behind you. Because it takes every ounce of your energy and focus and strength to get it to move that direction. And here's how I know it. Because when I was in middle school, when I was in junior high, my dad thought it would be a good idea to get one of these. Next picture. One of these. And I was just learning how to mow the lawn, and they didn't trust me to not make our front yard look like a ADHD kid mowed it. And so they were like, here, you can mow the backyard with this. Here's the, uh, it looked exactly like this. Here are some features that I want to highlight on this piece of Satan equipment. The blades had probably never been sharpened, ever. Like they were more rust than metal. The handle was in fact wood, rough wood that would give you splinters. And when I was in junior high, I was like this tall and I weighed 100 pounds wet. Like I was a small kid. Do you understand how much energy it took just to even get that thing to move, let alone try to cut the grass? I would have to run at it full speed. And we get just a little bit. You know what? I'm pretty sure now that I have kids and I think about this, sometimes parents do things to their children and they'll tell you, it's like, oh, I'm teaching you how to like finish a task and build responses. No, sometimes we just want to watch our kids do things so we can laugh at them. 
Like, I'm 100% convinced that my dad's like, I actually didn't think he was going to get that to move at all. That's actually pretty, like, I don't think he believed it was possible. And so when I read this passage, and Jesus talks about you can't plow with looking behind you, (coughs) there is no way in the world that I would have been able to get forward motion on that if I was at the same time trying to pay attention to what was behind me. In the 1200s, in the 1200s, when the Knights of the Templar would be baptized, when the church would baptize one of these knights, they would be baptized with their sword. But they wouldn't take their sword under the water with them. Instead, they would hold their sword up out of the water while the rest of them would be immersed in in baptism. It was the knight's way of saying to Jesus, you can have control of all of me but this. Jesus, I'm all yours, but who I am and what I do on the battlefield, how I use this sword, that's not part of the deal. I wonder for us, if we still had this practice today in our own baptisms what we might hold up out of the water. God, you can still, you can have all of me, you can have all of me but this. You can have all of me but this. You can have everything but my wallet, or my guns, or my phone, or my laptop. God, you can have all of me but my jersey, or my cleats, or my mitt, because when I'm on that field, There's other things going on. You can't really follow Jesus while you're trying to look back over your shoulder somewhere else. Jesus wants all of you. And and we we know this. Like, Like if you're with someone, like you're dating or whatever you call it now, talking exclusively, I don't know. Like, when you're in a committed relationship, like, let's say you're dating, like, you're in a committed relationship with somebody, and then you found out that they were texting someone else, like, like an ex, you wouldn't be cool with that. And the truth is, is that Jesus isn't cool with it either. Jesus doesn't want followers who are, have a divided affection or split allegiance, and so Jesus points out what you value most, what you're most concerned about, and he says, what about that? Jesus wants us to follow him wherever, whenever, and whatever. And this is how God loves us and how he wants to be loved by us. Please understand that Jesus Jesus loves you so much that he died to have a relationship with you. The Bible talks about how God is a God who is a jealous God. What that means is that he doesn't want you to share your heart with anyone but him. He will settle for nothing less than your complete 
devotion and heartfelt affection. He made, he made no compromises when he came and gave up his life for you. And he takes no compromises in asking you to do the same. So as we wrap up this morning, as we move to a time of response, this is what I want you to think about. I have observed that one of the most common reasons people give for not following Jesus is that they want to like get their life together first. And, and like that, like, like that sounds good. Like it's the it's the not right now. Like I get that. It sounds good. Like like you're taking the invitation of Jesus so seriously that you want to wait and start following him until like you get your life turned around and and go in the right direction. But when Jesus invites us to follow him, his invitation comes to us right where we are. He doesn't want you to wait until tomorrow. He doesn't want you to wait until you're hopefully headed down the right path. He wants you to say yes today, and he will lead you out of where you are now. He, he wants your eyes to be on him and him only. I need you to hear me this morning because he loves you. We have a God who is jealous for you. So God, as we, as we sing together, as we enter into this time of response, I pray that you would speak to us right where we're at. God, I pray that you would remind us that you you want all of us, however, wherever we're at, however we're at, you want all of us now. And that you're not afraid of whatever it is we're bringing with us. God, I pray that your love would be felt and known in this space. I pray that as this passage says, that every single one of us would count and consider the costs of being a follower we would know that it's worth it again and again. God, help us to love and follow you wherever, whenever, and whatever. We pray this in Jesus' name.